again. Uh, wow. That was awesome. Uh, how, how good was that? Come on. That was... Uh, thank you, Kurt and Kaylee, for sharing that with us. Thank you all so much. Um, man, that was great. We've been missing that for a couple of years, so that was, that was good. Thank you all so much. Um, and real quick, before I, I get started today, the, the other the pastor appreciation today... Uh, so thank you all for that. And I also want to say to, to anybody in the church who, who, doesn't, who does things here, who's not seen in front of everybody, if you do something that's kind of behind the scenes or a less than shiny job or a, um, just something that people don't notice very often. You know, when I think about people, I think of those who work with our, our babies in the nursery and our children. We, we don't always thank them enough, but... If you do anything to serve this church, I want to tell you on behalf of First Baptist Church, thank you. There's several of you here that make everything happen here, and you are appreciated and thanked. And, and if we could, we would all just stand and give you a round of applause. I just want you to know that. Thank you for all that you do and all that you make happen. I just want you all to know that. Last week, we were... Uh, Again, we're still in our series, Follow Me, right? We are in week, I'm starting to lose count here. We're in like week 10 or 11 of this series. Whenever I started this series, I thought, well, we'll spend five or six weeks doing this. It'll be fun and we'll jump on to the next thing. But as I got deeper and deeper into this, I just kind of felt like God saying, no, keep following me. Let's, let's keep going on this journey. Keep taking the people down this path. And last week we were looking at... Peter, in what we might consider his darkest moments, right? Peter was told by Jesus at the Last Supper and reminded again in the garden that he would indeed betray Jesus and deny him three times before the rooster crowed. And Peter assured Jesus that that would never happen, that he would lay down his life, that he would do anything. Even if everybody else denies Jesus, Peter was going to stand firm and die for him if he had to. But that's not what happened, is it? When the time came and Peter was questioned about Jesus, he denied him three times. And when I think about that, this, uh, we'll get into the story here in a second, but a few things we, we looked at. When Peter was asked if he was a disciple, he kept saying, I am not. We compared that to Jesus' statement in the garden. When Jesus asked, who do you seek? They said, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus stepped forward and said, I am he. The difference between Jesus and Peter, we compared the I am and the I am not. But even in Peter's darkest moment where he denied Christ, even on the third time, Jesus looking at him as he spoke those words of denial. You think all might be lost for Peter, but the good news of the gospel is that even in your worst, darkest moments, that the blood of Jesus rescues you from your sin. He rescues you from your darkness. So there's hope no matter how dark things may seem. Today we're going to get into a dark time in the Gospels. This is, just come out and say it, the death of Jesus is the worst event in human history and simultaneously the greatest thing that has ever happened to mankind. 
we murdered the Son of God. And yet his grace says, I'll bring you to life. That's the God we serve. So today we're going we're gonna to shift a little bit. As we've been in this series, we've been looking at the life, the teachings, the miracles of Jesus. And we've been focusing on, on who? Who have we been looking through? Who's the main guy? Peter. Over and over, Peter, Peter, Peter. He's always there. Last week, Peter. This week we're going to shift a little bit, right? Peter's been the guy we've just been honing in on the whole time. But today we're going to shift and we're going to look through the eyes of John. We're going to take a little bit, uh, we're going to step out of this and, and look through the eyes of John. The reason for that is as you're reading the Gospels, when you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all together, Peter's denial is the last time for a while that a disciple is mentioned specifically by name. Now, we can assume that what Jesus said was true, right? He told them in the garden, when the shepherd is struck down, the sheep will scatter. And what happened? They scattered. Disciple is not mentioned by name until we get to the cross. So that's what we're going to get to today. I'm going to give us some background to make sure we're caught up. But in the Gospels, if we're looking through the eyes of the disciples... Aside from the public spectacles of what happens to Jesus, we can't say for sure what was eyewitnessed by each one of them. We'd have to be reading into the text, reading things that it doesn't say. Okay, So that's where we're going to shift uh, until to John. So from Peter's denial to the death of Jesus, there's a big gap in here. right? And we've seen this happen in the Gospels before. There goes a couple of chapters without mentioning anyone by name. Again, that last moment last week, Peter's worst moment at his third denial, whenever he said, man, I don't know what you're talking about. As he was still speaking, the gospel of Luke tells us, it says, and the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Again, those words coming out of your mouth I don't know Jesus. And in that moment, he looks, locks eyes with you. And you remember what he said. That you would deny him. And Peter ran out weeping bitterly. And we don't hear from Peter for a while. Spoiler alert. Peter gets restored. And God uses him to build his church in amazing, amazing ways because of his grace. Peter goes out and weeps. So what happens between Peter's denial and the death of Christ? Give you a little recap here. So Jesus has been sent before, remember Annas, who is kind of like the godfather in the, in the Jewish times. He used to be a high priest. He was father-in-law of the high priest, Caiaphas. He goes before Annas. Annas doesn't get what he wants, so he sends him before Caiaphas. And then Caiaphas finally gets fed up with Jesus, says, tell us plainly, are you the Christ? And he says, it is as you have said. They cry out blasphemy, takes him before the Sanhedrin. Jesus confirms this again. They sentence him to death right then. Again, all of this is illegal. Trial by night, everything they're doing is illegal. Striking him, all of this is wrong. So they've condemned him to death. But they can't put Jesus to death. Because remember, during this time, the Jews 
were occupied by Rome. Rome had all the actual military power. And Rome took away the death penalty from the people they occupied. They let them run most of their laws and rules as long as they paid their taxes. But Rome held the death penalty. So they took Jesus to Pilate, who's kind of the governor of the land. They cried out for him to be crucified. And Pilate doesn't want anything to do with this. There's, I mean, there's millions of Jews that have shown up for Passover, and Pilate's just trying to keep everything under control. He doesn't want a huge uproaring crowd, a riot revolt, because that's going to make Caesar mad, which is going to get Pilate killed. So Pilate's a politician. So he sends him over to Herod when he finds out Jesus is a Galilean. Herod is kind of marveling at Jesus a little bit, doesn't really care for him, doesn't get what he wants, has Jesus roughed up, sends him back to Pilate. Pilate, again, doesn't want anything to do with Jesus. Finally, trying to appease the crowd, he has Jesus scourged, which is a a neat, clean way of saying he has him beat within an inch of his life, destroys his flesh, mutilates his body beyond recognition, They put the crown of thorns on him, a purple robe. They mock him. They spit at him. They punch him in the face. They humiliate Jesus in every way. And then Pilate brings him back before the people, thinking this should be enough, right? This should satisfy them. And they cry out, crucify him. They want him dead. So then Pilate tries to appease him even more. He got into a custom of releasing a prisoner every year. He thinks, okay, I'll I'll appease some of these people. Fine. You got Jesus and we have a a criminal named Barabbas. I'll let one of them go. They cry out, give us Barabbas. Give us the criminal. We don't want that Jesus. We don't want anything to do with him. We want him dead. So then Jesus is sentenced to death. He has to carry his cross through the town, out to a place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. And it is there that they crucified the Son of God. When they crucified him, they nailed him to that tree. A spectacle They raised him up for everyone to see. What you have to understand about crucifixion is crucifixion was the way Rome reminded everybody, don't mess with us, we are in charge. When they crucified someone, when we see the paintings of Jesus, we see the movies, we always see him a little bit dressed. No, they stripped him naked after they beat him. Crucifixion was not only excruciating, it was humiliating. You were raised up so that as people traveled into Jerusalem, they would see you for miles away. Rome did that to remind people, Rome's in charge. Man trying to play God. So when they nailed Jesus to that tree and two others were with him, they put a, a Pilate had a sign put up on his that said, here's Jesus of Nazareth, king of the Jews. And they raised him up for all to see just as Jesus said they would. And as Jesus is on the cross for the first few hours, The scriptures break it down into the first three hours and the last three hours. 
The other, the Gospels, specifically Mark and Matthew, tell us it was the third hour when they crucified him. And at this time, as they're crucifying him, again, he's been already beaten to death, exhausted, humiliated, rejected. Every horrible thing that could happen to you all at once, as they raise him up, Jesus cries out, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I'm going to be real honest. If I was being crucified, I don't think I had that, would have that in me. That's the difference between God and us. As we were putting the Son of God to death, He was interceding for our forgiveness. And as the scriptures, to fulfill the scriptures, the soldiers cast lots for his clothing. Again, he had that sign over him. There were two criminals with him. And the Jews mocked him and despised him. The soldiers mocked him and despised him. And even one of the men dying with him, raised up on a cross, rejected and ridiculed Jesus. But one of the other criminals with him, Instead of rejecting Jesus, he repented and received Jesus. And Jesus told him, you will be with me this day in paradise. To the very end, Jesus, there he is offering forgiveness. And then we come to a portion that among the very few that are at the cross, again, I mentioned we have Peter denial and then we don't hear from any of the disciples in particular by name right all the all the men specifically that Jesus chose to be his disciples they've all scattered and who's at the cross a few women and one disciple is named so among those few at the cross is his mother mary and John. Now, one of the things we need to keep in mind and remember about Jesus is that he is both truly God and he is both truly a man. That woman there with John was the woman who gave birth to him. And anybody who's a mom would understand what the horror would be to look upon your baby on that cross. And if you were John, again, having to see all this, but standing there, what comfort could you provide his mother? But John's there. Let's read in John 19, verses 25 through 27. The soldiers did all these things. And it says, But standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then to the disciple he said, Behold your mother. And from that hour the disciple took her 
to his home, to his own home. Now again, we we don't know what all John saw in all of this, but let's assume that John saw all of the public displays of everything that Christ went through, following along. And again, try to imagine what it would be like watching all of this, being powerless to do anything about it as the crowds kept shouting, crucify him, calling out for his death. And you watch as the man you've seen perform miracles and healings and give love and comfort and do all of the wonderful things he's done carrying that cross to that hill. And you stand there even as Jesus is hanging there. You know he has all power, but for some reason he's just hanging there dying. He's even crying out for God to forgive them as he lets them murder him. Last week we finished on the moment when Jesus looked at Peter. Peter denied him and he looked at him in that moment of denial. But in this moment, we see Jesus looking on John and what does he find? 